It is that time now once again For getting lumped up with my friends It's rock a mic And Rob that you should know And you'll find them here on the rock show Let's, let's start the show. Welcome, everybody, to another Rocker Mike and Rob Presents show. Today, we have a special, special, special guest, Mr. Monty A. Melnick, the longtime tour manager to the Ramones from 1974 to 1996. 22 years of crazy road stories of being wow. in that band. Uh, how you doing, Monty? Thanks for coming on. Doing good, doing good, hanging in there, considering mm -hmm. all the nuts and things going on around here. But that's uh, hanging in there. <laughs> Never ends, right? Oh boy. Yeah. Now you you had t over twenty two hundred shows under your belt. Okay, yeah. I think the number is twenty two sixty three. Is that correct? Well, the wow. total shows take. that the total shows that Ramones played was two thousand two hundred sixty three. Yeah, <laughs> I was there for about two thousand two hundred, over two thousand two hundred of them. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Now you know. People have called you the fifth Ramon. You know your 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 job. Well, uh, go ahead, go ahead, get a lot of it. I got I got to correct that. People always say that Marky's the fifth Ramon, and it goes up from there. <laughs> okay. Maybe my my ninth or tenth Ramon with me and Arturo, and, and Daniel <laughs> Way, and that stage. But, but you're the you're the guy that you're the guy that's been there the longest and still around. Yeah, but technically Marky's the fifth Ramon. <laughs> yes. Okay. Okay. But your duties as tour manager was was all encompassing. I mean, you you could you could be the driver of the van, you could be babysitter, you could be psychiatrist, you could be <laughs> you know it's a, it's a big job. It was a big um, it was it was a big job. I mean, I I started off just doing sound for them in, initially in the beginning. Right. At, wow. at performance studios uh, when they were doing showcases. Mm -hmm. And then they started getting some jobs at CBGB. They said, oh, why don't you come up with us some place, uh, you know, do some sound for us there. And uh, the place, the performance studios, the place that they were rehearsing in, and I had my own bands there, and I was managing it with Tommy Ramone, actually. Right. It had to shut down. And they all of a sudden started getting jobs all over the place. So I kind of went with them, initially doing everything in the beginning, you know, uh, schlepping the equipment, driving, and uh, everything until we got, they got bigger. We hired a, a, a sound man and a monitor man and guitar roadies and drum roadies. So I worked my way up from sound man into a uh, road manager into tour manager. Okay. I kind okay. of l learned the whole process along the way. People yeah. ask me, you know, how did you learn it? You got to be there and learn it working with the band from the beginning. That's the whole thing, you know. Now you have a, 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 a musical background yourself, right? You played bass in a band. Well, I yeah, I started off playing actually with Tommy Ramon in a few bands before, well before the Ramones. Mm -hmm. I was in a group called Triad, a three-piece group kind of like Cream, and then uh, later on I was in a group called Butch with Tommy, uh, with right. Jeff Jeff Salen mm -hmm. from the Tough Darts. Right. And then in the in between there, <clears throat> in between there, I have a, actually a recording career with a, a group called Thirty Days Out. We had mm -hmm. two albums on Warner Reprise Records, nineteen seventy-one, seventy-two. And we toured with the Beach Boys and Quicksilver Messenger Service. So, yeah, I, I was playing bass for quite a while. Yeah, yeah. What did you think of what 
the Ramones were doing early on before <laughs> before they were signed? How'd you how'd you feel about their sound? What would you think? Well, I saw them when they were just like a three-piece group, you know, and juggled yeah. and drums and it was it was too raw for me. I was coming from a group I had two albums out and reprise. Everybody my band was previous bands could play and sing and harmonize and all that. And they were just raw. I mean, just so totally. freaking if you look at some of the early black and white photos. Right. Uh, videos of them at CBGB's. I mean, they're stopping and starting and fighting, and they can't play. You know, but they they eventually worked on their, you know, musicianship and stuff, and they worked up. But in the beginning, I I didn't like them. But you but you just well gonna you figured it was a job or what? Well, you know, they, well, I, they asked me to do sound for them, so I was doing sound for them. It's fine. That, that was yeah. okay. You know. Yeah. And then and how then long it, did it take? How long did it take for them to grow on you? It uh, a year or two. You know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they I, they really worked hard at it. They just developed the act got better on the instruments the songs that we're writing were great you know they developed along the years right so i mean it just it was a, a gradual process now what was it like early on at cbgb's like around the time before they got signed like 74 to 76 what was it like then i mean because the impression is it's you know you have this small scene and really most of the fans are really just members of other bands that are playing. That's what it was like, definitely. Mm -hmm. Because wow, uh, yeah, early early on, it was basically other groups that were just hanging out there and watching, uh, you know, the Ramones and Ramones watched them, and you know, that's, right. because initially uh, CPGBs wasn't like the usual New York uh, bars or venues or clubs because uh, Hilly said, you know, come in, play your original stuff. You know, back then, you, you other clubs you had to play top top forty, you know. Right. stuff like that so cbgb's was uh Hilly let you know all these bands play original material so they were hanging out there too at the same time and they developed a good relationship with all the bands together you know yeah now you know hilly's on record saying that he didn't like them when he first heard them but he figured he'd let them play anyway true it's like me i don't yeah. <laughs> but i work with them and then eventually uh but i think i think a lot of a lot of people like hilly probably and yourself probably saw something in them at oh, least yeah. with the drive right the, yeah, you know, they, yeah they had to drive the more the more i work with them and the more i was doing sound in the beginning i can hear the songs developing you know it was mm -hmm. early so i heard the whole process of them developing the songs and getting the stage uh presence down in there with, with the way they looked and uh well, the whole thing, it, it was a gradual uh, process for them. Yeah, so exactly. I, I was there watching it and working with them, uh, with the sound and stuff like that, and eventually working on the road with them. Wow. Let, me, let me ask you this. Um, in the, I think it was 1975 at CBGB's in the summer. There was, a, there was a big festival with a lot of bands playing for like about a few weeks straight. And Rolling Stone magazine was kind of courted down there to – see what was going on they wrote up about it. Do, you, do you recall that yeah that was a big break for the a lot of bands and the Ramones. yeah i was gonna ask you was that was that a big break for the ramones oh yeah because yeah. Was, you know, rolling stone for god's sakes come on you know and, and they got yeah. some good press out of it which wow. generated a lot of things oh you know further on getting gigs other places you know but in those days it was kind of like a, just a new york thing i mean they they really couldn't get too many gigs outside the city right well, it was rough. I mean, uh, yeah, because well, a lot of clubs, as I said, even in New York, they didn't want to hear original material. So yeah. the, that, that happened outside of New York. But slowly, with the Rolling Stone thing and the CBGB's festival, word started to spread around. And so these, the clubs started to open up in, in the 
bigger cities first, like Boston and Chicago and LA, you know, so they, they, it was easier for them to go to these places and get into a club. Okay. Um, the July 4th, 1976 UK show. Yeah. Okay. Um, were you involved with that at all? That I wasn't because they couldn't afford me to take me over for those two shows. Okay. But just, I was, you know, yeah. the, the next, the 1977, the tour, 77 tour of Europe. That was the key. We, we came back and played the roundhouse there with the talking heads and stuff. Uh, tour of Europe. That was, that was the big break in throughout Europe and, 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 uh, England, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, did you drive them around Europe? Is that, is that no, what you were luckily I didn't have to drive it. <laughs> <laughs> I did drive a truck there for the first <clears throat> little bit in the first yeah. 77 tour. I was in the, you know, still in the crew doing the uh, sound for them and stuff like that. And so I was driving around in a truck, but uh, I had, I, tr I tried to drive in the truck in England a couple of times. It was like difficult, but, uh, Luckily, the the for the uh, future tours we went to Europe. Uh, we had we always had coaches and stuff, so I didn't have to drive there. Okay. okay. How was how were the Ramones received in Europe in those early days? Very good, you know, because initially they had a lot of good press too. When the Rolling Stones came out, and then the English press was terrific because the English, you know, Enemy and Melly Maker were all well well ahead of the, any press in the United States, basically. True. So they were on to all the new groups and uh, they were into the Ramones. And they got a lot of good press. So that's why they did very well over there at first before yeah. the United States, really, you know? Right, right. Um, what did you think when they got signed? I mean, did you think that this was going to be a big break for them or you just... That was great. Was it, that They could yeah. father pay me something more. <laughs> <laughs> a, little bit, a little bit more. <laughs> a little more than what you were getting. Hey, let me ask you a question. Whatever happened to... Um... You were supposed to be in a group called um, 30 Days Out. Yeah, that's the one I was talking about when 1971-72, the group say, 30 yeah. Days and Out. You, we had two albums on Warner Brother Reprise, and we toured a bit with the Beach, Beach yeah, Boys. Yeah, and, you even, yeah, that was shocked that you opened up for the Beach Boys. I was like, wow, man, that's yeah, pretty quick, impressive. Quick Silver Messenger Service and a couple other bands, Tom Rush. And, well, it was a country rock band, basically, at that time. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, well, a lot of man. different music than the Ramones, at, you know. Like an Allman Brothers kind of thing? Yeah, more like yeah, yeah, yeah or, cool. or like um, Doobie Brothers or stuff like Doobie along those Brothers, lines. Yeah, yeah. kind of like um, everything the Ramones were against, right? <laughs> well, yeah, sort of, <laughs> sort of. I'm just going to talk about a few points that in in the Ramones history, and I just want to see what you think about them. Um, 1978, they're going to record "Road to Ruin." Um, and Tommy leaves the band. Yeah. How, how did how did that how did that go down? And what were what were your thoughts? Did you think the band could continue without him, or what did you think? Yeah, I mean, well, <clears throat> initially Tommy didn't want to be in the band. He just wanted to produce them and manage them. Right, that's true. So when he, Tom and I managed uh, performance studios, we had free time there because we built the place and we managed the place. I had some groups I was working with, and he had he brought in the Ramones there as a three-piece group just to produce them and manage them, you know. So you know, Joey was having uh, he heard Didi was having trouble singing and playing bass, so he pulled Joey off the drums. And then he just, nobody could understand what they were doing. But as I said, they were so raw that they tried to bring in drummers, and nobody could understand what they were doing. Basically, you know, right. Tommy, Tommy being the great musician that he is, he was a guitar player basically. He never played drums. Right. Developed that drum style. 
So, and he really didn't want to be in the grip and the band, but he, he joined the band and it worked out very well. And then he speed produced a couple albums there, but the, the uh, touring was too much of a grind for him. You know, yeah. they, he and said like guys, like I can't take it anymore. And uh, they understood that. And, uh, and he went on to produce them still. Yeah. And they brought in Marky. So, which is okay. Basically, you know, Tommy left, but they brought in a great drummer to fill in his, fill in and Tommy was still there producing and stuff with his input so it worked out pretty well I mean, he couldn't take the, the the road very much at the it's, end there. it's it's, it's hard it's for grueling. any band yeah it's grueling it's grueling yeah um Marky though has been on record saying that Tommy really kind of had to teach him that kind of style it's true because as I said early on with the Ramones nobody could understand what they were doing right Tommy sat in sat mm -hmm. in and said play something like this something like this so he developed that whole hormones drumming style yeah. which is unique yeah so when marky came in he kind of like said this is what you got to do and it worked with with the uh, uh, marky for like a, you know, a couple of weeks a month or so and finally marky being a great drummer he picked up unfortunately that what, what happened with clem he didn't have enough time to really get into the uh rhythm uh, and the style because they they just threw him in too fast we had some shows coming up fast, you know. Yeah, yeah. Now you're, you're, you're talking about you're talking about when Clem Burke joined yeah. the band briefly. Yeah, yeah. Clem, yeah, yeah. So I mean, you know, initially uh, Gary Kerfess, who was managing the band, you know, Richie left abruptly, and and Gary, you know, Clem was he was working with Blondie and stuff. That Gary Kerfess and Blondie wasn't doing anything. Clem was always hanging out as friends with the Ramones, also. So they, they, they uh, said, it's easy. Don't worry about it. Just go play. It's easy. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. It's not that easy. It's like tight, 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 tight. He didn't have enough time to develop that. I'm sure if, you know, they were like Marky, um, Tommy worked with Marky, if he had enough time to work into it, though, unfortunately, he didn't have enough time. So he was thrown into a couple of shows. Didn't work out. But, you know, then Marky luckily came back. And then, of course, Rich, uh, uh, Clem went off and makes a lot more money with Blondie and stuff. Blondie, like right, yeah. right. It's great, but he wanted to be in the group, though. Yeah, wow. and, then, and and he had the great name Elvis Ramon. Well, they couldn't Ramon. they couldn't say Clemmy Ramon. You know? Clemmy didn't sound right. Yeah, no. I, <laughs> I was at one of those gigs. Really? Wait, what, yeah, the, the, Trenton City. Oh boy. Yeah, that's a great yeah. club. But City and, yeah, I, I saw them. I saw the Ramones there several times, um, but I was at. So I think it was two gigs they did at Trenton with him. I no, was at one. Yeah, yeah, one there and one in Providence. Oh, Providence. Okay, I was at the one at Trenton. Yeah. And uh, I'll be honest with you, 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 what I remember of it, you he couldn't. Wasn't that, he wasn't that bad. But he wasn't. Was, it wasn't like you wasn't, noticed anything. Awful. Yeah. But it, but it was noticeable enough that. Yeah. At the end, you it know, seemed like they were, it, and I remember Johnny looking back at him a few times. I remember yeah, yeah. that. You yeah, know? it was rough. It was rough on poor uh, Clem. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know what was rough for the Ramon that Canada when they went to Canada, and they left this. They left the stage. People oh, there. That's seventy-eight. We played the, the huge festival, Toronto festival up there. Uh, Ted Nugent was the headlining, and a couple of <laughs> metal bands. Mm -hmm. And uh, they, the Ramones, go on. All of a sudden, people are throwing like food on stage, sandwiches and food and stuff like. So the Ramones got sick of it. They played a number of songs and they, they walked off, give the they gave, gave the singer. There's a great <laughs> shot of that on the line. Yeah. You gotta, gotta look that up. I've seen it. There's 30,000 people and they're Didi and Johnny are like 
okay the hell with you guys you know and they well off. luckily luckily it wasn't other things because i've heard they've had stuff well, like bottles thrown at them and the thing is when we way opened up for black sabbath johnny winter and all the yeah. people like that black sabbath especially that you know, it was early on nobody knew what the ramones were like or what sure. the, 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 the radical style that they were playing it was yeah. rough. There was, you know, throwing like hard stuff, coins and batteries, and it was. It got- I, I heard, I heard they had a carburetor thrown at them once. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. I don't know. There was like it was hard stuff. <laughs> carburetor was a little big. I that's I don't know how you could get a carburetor into a venue, but okay. Well, back in those days, they didn't want to check it. Anyway. They didn't check. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> um, the next thing I wanted to talk to you about, Monty, was the Rock and Roll High School movie. That was great. Okay, uh, they shot it out in L.A. And um, how, how much were you involved with, with that? Totally. I mean, uh, I yeah. had to bring the band there and the crew there to set up the equipment. And I'm in the movie for a second there. If you Yes. When yes. The, they're playing, I just want to have something to do. That's a great movie. <laughs> they pull up to the side, the side in front of the, the, the theater, and I come out, I open the door. Yep. I shake yep. hands with the manager. Then I walk behind the band as they're singing. I just want to have something to do. You can see me. I'm talking to the manager. I'm kind of playing mm-hmm. like the, the promoter, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I've <laughs> seen you. I've seen you. And Rodney Bingenheim is driving the car. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's a great scene. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, Alan Arkish, by the way, the great director. Oh, wonderful oh, yeah. guy. Oh, yeah. One of my all-time favorite movies. Yeah. Um, but, you know, at the time, did they, did they think that this was going to break them? Every album they made, they thought it was going to break, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's a you know it's a shame that they yeah just kept I, trying and trying and trying. What, what and, I uh, always loved about the Ramones, I'm just going to give my opinion here, is that fact that they were so positive, especially early on, that every every record was going to do it, and they just and it, and it didn't happen, and it was like okay, see you next time, and it was the same thing again, like that's going to break them. Well, that's the problem was the uh, radio in the states. You know, yeah, they just yeah. wouldn't play them because the sex piss was kind yeah. of poison the air for them, you know. Right. You know, over yeah. in Europe and stuff in South America, they got on. They they were on the radio over there quite a bit. They were, you know, much bigger people in the states, you know. And uh, it's a yeah. shame that uh, they just couldn't get to the, to the airplay here. So yeah. They, I mean, but they what they had was they they were a touring man, a live band, so they had they knew the audience was there because they were selling out. Sure. Yeah, sure. and they're getting the good feedback. They said, "Hey, we're we're selling all these places, these clubs, and even theaters, and bigger festivals and stuff like that. Why can't we get radio plays?" So that's why they kept on trying different producers over the years. Maybe this producer will do it, that producer, Hill Spectre, etc. You know? Yeah, yeah. Well, how how grueling was it when they didn't they have to play for like twenty four hours straight in Rock and Roll High School at one point live? Well, not twenty four hours, but they had to play so- the same song over and over again. Oh man, <laughs> uh, you know, to to a crowd, you know, they had we had yeah. a live audience there. Well, they, they, I think hours. there's like I think there's like maybe I maybe I misunderstood, but I think there's like three or or, or four songs in yeah. in the, in the yeah. live set, right? Yeah, yeah. They, did they? They, play, they played those over and over again. Over oh, those yeah. songs over and over yeah, again. Yeah. Wow. You know, did, until you know, it's like in the movies, so you, you you do a take over, another take, you know, take mm-hmm. take take. They just they didn't like. The problem with the Ramones, they didn't like hanging around. You know, with the with doing a movie, you you, st- you hang around and you shoot for ten minutes, and then they set up another scene, and they and you hang around for you know, before that you hang around for another hour or so. They didn't like yeah. the in between. I didn't mind. I I like to see the whole process, what was going on, stuff sure. like that. Sure. 
Hey, Mike, I got uh, another question. I remember um, the time I really heard the Ramona over the radio was in, um, they were in the soundtrack for uh, Pet Cemetery, and they had like a real big song and it was played on MTV, the video, they were all over the place with that Pet Cemetery story. Yeah. Yeah, I that, that was that was a good 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 for them. Yeah, I mean that was uh, you know, another another example of of, of them, you know, trying to make it. Yeah. You know, yeah, you know, it was. Yeah. And Stephen King, yeah. Stephen King was a big fan, so I oh, think that yeah. helped a lot. Oh yeah, he was a huge fan. Actually, what a good story is that um, he wanted the Ramones to come up and play in Maine, so he booked this big civic center up in Bangor or something, and he mm. had a cheap chip come cheap cheap trick cheap trick come up and headline and we opened up for them yeah but then he invites up the ramones back to dinner and his house not cheap trick they were pissed off oh so we went up to, we were up at uh hanging out at the stephen king's uh like haunted mansion he's got this big victorian mansion up in uh bangor up there in the woods and uh and he, he said to the Ramones, he loved the ramones he said uh, that's how i write I, I listen to your music or music like you yours yeah and i write you know the intense wow. horror stuff that's he amazing. Loved he loved it. I know he's a he's a big ACDC fan too. Yeah, he mentioned yeah. the Ramones a couple of times in some of the books too. Definitely. And oh, yeah. the, if you remember in in the in the book Pet Cemetery, they don't show it in the movie, but in the book, he uh Lewis, the father, is checking into the hotel and he uses the name Didi Ramon. <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah. And I think that I think that's something that Stephen King used to do as well personally. I think he used to do that. Well, that's how the Ramones got their name, you know that, right? Yes. Paul Ramon. Yeah, he he checked in a hotel under Paul Ramon. I got to so, ask a question that I've always wondered about that. How did Didi know that? I don't know. I must have read it somewhere. <laughs> but, yeah. Like, like in the days before the internet, and you know, it was it in a, in a fanzine or something. Then everybody would know, right? You you got me on that one. I'm not sure how he knew, but he knew. He picked it up. So yeah. yeah, probably a fanzine or a yeah somewhere. Told him somebody told him. Look, I read this somewhere in an article or something like that. You know? <laughs> picked up on it and said, "Hey, Ramon, Ramon, right. Ramon." Right. Yeah, it's, it's cool. You know, they could have been a flamenco band <laughs> with that name. Well, <laughs> well, you know, well, yeah, well, that was a problem. There's a story in, with that, I know. <laughs> in the early years, people thought they were like some Mexican band, Los Ramones yeah. or something. <laughs> Maybe that's why they were so big in South America. Los Ramones. It, it, Los Ramones. it sounds like a Spanish name. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. that's initially uh, Danny Fields. Yeah. Uh, before people said, well, I want you to go down and see this band. He said, the Ramones, I was a cha-cha band. I'm not going to see them. <laughs> <laughs> initially, he didn't want to go see them. Finally, yeah. he did, and he loved He fell in love with them. Yeah, I've, I've I've heard him tell that story. That's that's hilarious. Um, the Phil Spector album that came out, nineteen eighty. Okay, that's yeah, I mean, the, we, we did we did a podcast on the making of the whole thing and got into it all. Um, I mean, is is it all is it all true, Monty? The the guns and everything. Well, he had guns on him. Yeah, sure. Definitely. Yeah, did he pull wow. a gun on them? No, I never. He never. He had it. You know, he had guns in his like ankle holster. And once he put it, put the gun on the console. Didi yeah. made up some stories about Phil pointing a gun at him. I never saw that happening. But he was yeah. a, he had guns, and his all his bodyguards had guns, and uh, it was an intense experience working with him. What's your opinion of that album? It has my favorite Ramon song on it, which is you don't know, you know, you can't take a guess. Oh, oh yeah. Uh... 
all the way. There you go. Yeah, because you mentioned it. Yeah, yeah. that's what Monty's driving It's like Monty's driving me crazy. It's just like being in the Navy. Yeah. So <laughs> that's, that's good for me because people say, hey, what's your favorite Ramones? I like a lot of Ramones songs, but I have to say that's that's easy for me. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You mentioned I, it. I like the album. I think it was good. It yeah. Was good you know, because to this day, there's still a lot of back and forth with it. Um, I love the album. I think it's great. Uh, but there's people that are, you know, just said it, it, the Spectre production glossed over, you know, overproduced it. And, but that's what you were getting. You, you asked for a Phil Spectre. Yeah, yeah, you got it. You know, I that's, mean, yeah. There's, you know, talk about uh, stripping it out and kind of like the Beatles with, you know, the naked, yeah. let it be naked. Yeah. yeah. Well, they are. Isn't 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 Ed Stasium? Isn't he working on that? They're working on it. They're working on it. I'm not sure is, what the holdup is. There's some sort of is Rick holdup. Rubin involved with that? Supposedly, he wants to do something, and and so far, it's not going that wow. particularly because they got all the other box sets out pretty quickly. You know, up to that point, they you know they yeah. want to release each one in in in, in line, there, and this is supposed to be the next one out. So I'm well, they were doing it at a forty year interval, like forty years apart. Yeah, you so, know. Yeah. I'm not sure exactly what's going on, but there's some sort of weirdness going on there. I'm sure COVID had a lot to do with it too. Well, that too. Yeah, yeah. But um, I mean the demos that were released on the Rhino sets that came out like in the early two thousands, um, you could hear, you know, the, the demo versions of like I'm affected and and I forget if all the way was there or one of them, uh I think all the way had a demo on there. Uh you heard what what they were doing. It was just like anything else they ever had done, you know. So you could probably strip it down, and it'll sound like Road to Ruin or something. I, I don't know. Yeah, you know, you know, who knows? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it'd be interesting to see. You said you did a special program on it. What, what we did. A, we did a um, one of the shows that we do on the Rock Show is uh, occasionally we'll do like a making of a certain album. And last year we did a making of end of the century. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll send you a link to it. It was it's, it, anybody it, on there that was there? No, no, it's just me running my mouth. Oh, yeah. You know, <laughs> should have brought me in. I would have told some story. Oh, ah, <laughs> well, oh, man. You know, you know something, Monty. I just got connected with you. You're gonna have to come back again for something. Okay, we'll, we'll, I'm here. Definitely, definitely. Um, now. Another point I want to talk about that maybe is not talked about too much is is when Marky left, okay, yeah. in eight in eighty three, and Richie joined the band. Okay, mm -hmm. what do you remember about that time in the Ramones? How were they doing? What how were they getting along? How what was Marky's problem? Why did he leave? Well, he had a heavy drinking problem. It was getting right. out of control, and uh, we, we try to say, look, Mark, you know. It's, you know, tone it down a bit. So we were in a recording studio doing the album there, and uh, he would go Some in the radio jungle, right? In, in, at, on the island there, I think it was Syosset or something, right? Some some Comac or some studio out there. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, you know, he kept on going into the, the restroom and coming out. And Didi snuck in there once and uh, caught him with a bottle in a garbage can he was hiding, and that was the end wow. of it. Because I mean, he was like getting a little a bit sloppy and. Uh, missed a show and this and that uh which was bad and that and the band said this is it so right they had to let him go and he realized that he realized that he knew it, it was wow. the best thing for him and he cleaned up luckily it was great yeah. he did a great job i never thought he would 
do it, but he did it. It took him a couple of years, and he yeah. cleaned up very nicely. And yeah, and luckily, I, I understand he's been fine all these years, so that's, oh, yeah, that's yeah. great. Yeah. L luckily, you know, Richie left abruptly, and he Mark was around playing with another group, I think King Flux or something. Right, where Richie starts, I yeah, remember right. that. And yeah, I, was, I, I went to see him, and, and I and, saw him too. Yeah, and uh, I, I was talking to him, and I said, and I went back to the band. I said, look, Mark's okay now, you know. And he got back in touch with the band, and uh, luckily he fit right back in. It was good. It's good. Yeah, it's a yeah. lucky thing. Now, when they got Richie, um, what was what was the general consensus with him? I mean, he, great. he, yeah. I mean, Richie's good. I mean, literally, he's a great drummer. I think they got mm -hmm. faster with him. He played I was going to say that. Yeah, he, he they was doing a little singing and a little writing and stuff, so it was like a progression for them. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, they made those three albums that he's on, okay, the Too Tough to Die, Animal Boy, and Halfway to Sanity. I always feel that they're some of the most underrated albums out there, okay, yeah, uh, yeah. especially for the Ramones. But in general, like in 80s punk rock, you know, when punk had kind of evolved a little bit, you had hardcore, you had other things getting into it. Uh, New Wave mellowed it all out, you know, but, but you had – the, you know, the Ramones were still plugging along, and these three albums are kind of like, other than, I'd say the two of them, like Animal Animal Boy and, and Halfway to Sanity are kind of neglected, I think, in the Ramones' history. Yeah, I think so. You know, even I mean, even in little things, like Rhino didn't do a full re-release of it, of them. They should. Yeah, Why you're not? right. You're right. Why not? I mean, I want to hear a new uh, remastered Bonzo, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah, and, uh, uh, too, uh, too tough to die. I love the cover on that one. Fantastic. Yeah, the Central yeah. Park in the tunnel and what, yeah. Uh, I mean, can, you know, I mean, Roberta Bailey's first cover with the that's a classic, you know. Yeah. But that shot's interesting. What happened there was good, good friend of mine, George Debose, who did a lot of covers for them. Right. Good friend of mine, and actually, I went in after the Ramones retired. Him and I did a little. We managed Marky for a little bit after the Ramones. Myself and George, in a, okay. in a, a company called Search and Re Rescue, managed uh, a marquee for a little bit. But uh, that there's a good story on that. So initially, he had a front light on that, which well, it failed, and he took a. It was taking Polaroids at the time, but the, it was supposed to be front lit too. But it failed, and they look at the Polaroids and said, "This is great." You know, it was just an accident. So it was an accident. He didn't plan wow. it that you way. didn't know that. That's no. great. Yeah, he didn't plan it that way. Wow. Wow. It was a happy accident. Worked out well. I think in that set that Rhino put out, there's like a, another picture in there, like a normal picture. You could see their faces and everything, yeah, yeah. you know, and it's like, wow, that could have been the album cover too, but it, it's amazing. It's, it was a total accident. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Wow. Cool, cool, cool. Great and photographer, by the way, George. Debus. Yes, yes. He, he did quite a few things with the band. Um, Richie leaves in 1987 abruptly. After, yes. the half, after the Halfway to Sanity album comes out. Uh, I was at that last show. Well, in, okay. a, uh, in on Long Island. What was yeah, it, it was out east. Jag or something? Or Sa something? Uh, like Sag Harbor area. Yeah, I, yeah. I, yeah, I forget the name of the place. Small club, wasn't it a big club? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, no announcement, nothing. We didn't know he was, that was his last gig. He just. No, he, nobody knew. Yeah. Just, wow. The, the, the dressing room had a door right to the outside. So we got off stage. He comes into the dressing room, gets dressed, opens the door. There's a limo out there, walks into the limo. Boom, yeah. gone. Didn't say that. Was it. 
He's pissed off. They try to get him back. As, as I said, we had all these shows booked. And we we said, look, we'll pay, you know, come just don't play the couple of shows. They'll pay you some decent money. He said, no, 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 no. And of course, uh, you know, Gary Kerfus comes along with Clem, says, don't worry, it's easy. Yeah. You can play this stuff. <laughs> Clem well, tried. He did Clem tried. Stuff. Yeah. Did okay, but it, it was just, as I said, it was just, you could notice a little bit if you really. And, you know. and what, and I remember, I think it was Rip Magazine, Rip uh rip it was like a heavy metal magazine mostly thrash but they would do punk stuff and i I think it was rip and they had pictures of the ramones with clem in it it was it was just very briefly i think i think marky was already back by the time it was published Uh, they they took publicity pictures with the clem and he wanted to be in the band yeah. Another problem we had with with him with Clem, he would show up for the photo session with a Chanel T-shirt and stuff, you know. So George said, "Listen, you can't wear that." And there's a couple of shots of him you can see on the knee. That that, that reminds me of uh, Blondie. They had like money and yeah. stuff. They were different yeah. type of thing. It was you know, Clem's like continental, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's true, sort of. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, you know. But so we, there was one thing with some of the photo sessions. So there's a couple of shots. If you look carefully, he's. They try to get him to take it off, but uh, there's a couple of shots out there. That yeah, I, I think I have seen that. That reminds me of, uh, you know, Motorhead's problem with Brian Robertson in the early 80s from when they had uh, the guy from Thin Lizzy, Brian Robertson, on that one album. Ah. He would show up on stage in shorts, <laughs> okay, and at photo shoots in, like, a headband, like the guy from Loverboy or something, you know. And that just didn't work with Motorhead. No, uh, <laughs> you can't have a guy uh, like that in the bed. <laughs> love Lemmy, though. And of course, yeah. he, uh, he, he, he wrote the great song for them. He Ramon. did. Um, Unbelievable. What a terrific song. He really loved the band. They, lo- they got along very well with them. You know, they're, they're two of my most favorite bands, uh, Ramones and Motorhead. I have everything ever released, ever put out by, by both those bands. Uh, the ultimate outsider bands, both of them. Really, true, true, true. You know, I mean, I always, you know, Rob, you know, I'm a huge Ramones fan, yeah. and Marky's got an idea that I am, but I, I, I always uh, will say that you know, as a kid growing up, all right, in the you know late '70s, early '80s, becoming a teenager, the Ramones were that band that you were just attracted to if you felt like an outsider, well, if yeah. you felt like you didn't fit in. That's where they. That's where their audience was. That's why they were so big in places yeah. like uh, Argentina and Brazil because the kids really related along yeah. those lines. Yeah, and, and but even said, even back home in Queens. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. The audiences was always there. That the frustration was not getting on radio play and selling a lot of albums. Yeah. It took how many years to get a gold album? Thirty yeah. years. Thirty years, wow. something like that. Yeah. Wow. The first Holy album. Macro. Yeah. 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 Hey, you guys want to hear something funny? A lot of time I get people ask for a lemmy, a drink, a lemmy, which is a Jack and Coke. A Jack and uh-huh. Coke. Yeah, All yeah, right. yeah that works. A lot of That's the good. young kids now, they go, can I get a lemmy? And I'm like, oh, you want a Jack and Coke? Oh, how do you know? Some of them just want a Jack on the Rock, but that's what they refer to. Uh, <laughs> it's pretty funny. That's cool. That's cool. That's what he drank all the time. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, I've explained this to to kids that, you know, people half my age that, that never saw the Ramones, you know, that were born maybe right when they were breaking up. 
And just to explain to them, you know, what I just said about being an outsider band. Yeah. And they get it. And even though the band's not around anymore, they 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 still attract that kind of person, that that kind of like, well, you know, I'm not like everybody else, but I'm just going to plug along and make something out of my life. Yeah, well, that the, the Ramones' great song. I'm an outsider, outsider. Yeah, I mean, they had a song for for right. all that. I'll tell you another funny story, quick, make you laugh. Fourteen years old, uh, Subterranean Jungle comes out, right? So I was born in '69, '83. It comes out. There's that song "Time Bomb" on there that Dee Dee sings. Hmm. Okay, and I'm in school. I'm screwing up. You know, like not bad, but enough that like my mother gets called down and. You know, guidance counselor tells my mom, I'm afraid your son is a time bomb ready to explode. <laughs> right? So I'm not there for this meeting, but but she comes home later. Yeah, I think I got suspended for cutting or something or whatever it was and fighting or something. And she says, you know, your guidance counselor to told me you're a time bomb ready to explode. And I and I think he's right. And I said, wow, Hold that thought. come in here. I come into my room, listen to this song, and I play, I play it on a record. I played a time bomb, and she's just looking at me like, "You're nuts, right?" And I said, "I said, yeah, but that's it. You know, that if I good. didn't listen to this, I might explode. Good you know what I mean? That. Yeah, that's that's what it was." Talk about subterranean jungle. Look carefully at the cover, mm -hmm. the cover shot. Marky was on his way out, so yes. they put him in a separate little on the window. He didn't realize it. Thought, "Oh, what well, great! I got my own." They, they, they did it on like a, like a symbolism they, kind of they thing. They did it on purpose, and he didn't realize it at the time mm. that they stuck him over there. No, in fact, when you look at it, 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 it almost looks like it's superimposed on it, like he's not even there. Like it's the picture's weird, you know. It just mm. looks like he's in, alone, but it looks like they just stuck his face there, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know. Um, the other thing I want to get into real quick is is Didi um, at the end there, right before he left. Uh, starting to get into rap, dressing like a rap star, wearing the track suits. How much did that drive Johnny crazy? Well, you know, initially he said, oh, I like rap. I want to do stuff. They said, okay, go do an album. Get it yeah. out of your system. Do it. And he did his standing in the spotlight and all his rapping stuff and stuff. Mm -hmm. Then he started showing up at some of the gigs wearing the jumpsuit and the chain, gold chains. And that yeah. Johnny flipped out, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Forget about it, you know. You can't do you're not you're in the Ramones. You don't he never went that. out on stage like that, did no, he? Johnny no, Johnny wouldn't let him Johnny would kill him. Yeah. This is like on the way, like we were in the airport or stuff. He shows up yeah. but the, on, to get on the plane and John was flipping out. What do you you know? Of yeah. course, by the time we got to the show, they had the leather he had the leather jackets and the wardrobe I, and all that. I, so I think in the in the I Wanna Live video, I think there's a clip of him wearing a tracksuit in the, the montage of scenes. No, maybe getting it out of the van. Or I think getting out, getting in the plane, or getting out of the van, or something. Yeah, that's that's that interesting. There on that video, they paid. There's this no Melnick's thing. Yeah, on Times Square, and they paid to put it up. Yeah, no Melnick's. It's just no Melnick's. Yeah, yes. there's a little joke with that. Yeah, yeah, too. that's great. That's great. No Melnick's. Well, you know, I'll, I'll tell you how that happened. Uh, one day, I was walking down to the crew room, and the, on the door, they put no Melnick's. Like I couldn't come in. You know. It's a yeah. joke. Then all of a sudden, we're starting playing other places, and they started writing on the ceiling, no Melnicks, and the doors. So people were coming back to me. Other bands were saying, 
we would play this club and said there was no melics written on the ceiling. What's going on? You know, it was writing it all over the place. <laughs> the band got a kick out of it, so they they stuck it in the video there. You know? That's that's hilarious. That's hilarious. Let me ask another and I, question. I, well, just so, a quick thing. It's actually oh. in the sedated video too. Right in the beginning of the sedated video, I walk out. Yeah, somebody comes out with a sign, no Melnicks. There's a so, like one of the girls or something. Me off the yeah. set. Yeah, yeah. So they, they they let it happen there too. So that's funny. I just posted that on on the Instagram and Facebook about the say the sedated video. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. the, a picture of that. Cool. It's a picture of that. Yeah, cool. What Rob. I wanted to ask you, what made you um, why made you just pick up one day just write a book about it? Is it because you had so many well, stories and stuff? Well, it wasn't it wasn't just one day. People. Was, over the years said yeah you know do this do this do this write a book but i you know i didn't feel like you know with joey being around and the stuff i had to really write i wasn't comfortable with it you know, so joey passed away and i was able to put in things in the book that it probably would have made him uncomfortable i was a good friends with joe you know yeah and uh initially well joey had done a um his solo album on sanctuary records and at that time they also had a publishing company so I, I went in, you know, and uh, I said, look, I'm not a, really a writer, you know. Right. They said, don't worry, we'll get, you, we'll get you a ghostwriter. So they come up with a bunch of people. And one of the people they came up with was Frank Meyer. Yes. They wow. said, Frank, terrific guy. Very talented guy. Streetwalking cheetahs. Yep. He's yep. playing with Eddie Spaghetti now. And uh, Yes, I heard that. And he was a great. writer and a mm -hmm. great musician. Loved the Ramones. Flipped out. He did such a great job. I gave him co-writing on the book. It's a co wow, like they're on the cover, yeah. Otherwise, you know, it'd have been just me and a ghostwriter, but he did a great job. Great, great job, Frank. Did some great pictures in that book, too. Well, that was another good thing that I was able to do because usually books like text, 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 some pictures in the middle, text, text, text. They let me put in over like 200, 300 images and wow, passes and posters and a lot of stuff throughout the whole book and the whole art design. They had a great art director who. You know the stuff behind the text and the images and barbed wire and stuff like that and i was very lucky that i had a good art director on the book and they let me put a lot of pictures and memorabilia and tour passes and tour itineraries and all sorts of stuff in there very rare now just getting back to Didi for a minute um when when he left the band just from a fan's point of view like myself so many of us thought that's it there's just no way you can't go on without Didi. Well, okay. initially, everybody thought that basically, yeah. you know. Yeah. But at, I mean, at the time, well, he was just like spacing out. It wasn't really good. You know, he was, yeah. he was like in another world. He was like, didn't want to be there. It's like not playing well. And it, was, it mm -hmm. didn't look good. It was, you know. So at the time when he left, it was, a, you know, everybody said, oh, that's the end. But John said, no, let's get somebody in here that can play like Didi. And, uh, and the good thing about that, what happened was Didi stayed around and wrote songs for them later. For Mondo Bizarro, yeah. So they wow. had a beautiful songwriting of Didi and then a young Didi in CJ. And they had to kind of like suck in their stomachs and keep up with them. Yeah. And then helped <laughs> the Ramones. He'd like uh, helped the Ramones for all those end, end years there. Well, I, I remember his first gig that December of 89, okay, at the Ritz. And uh, I think there was two nights in a row I went. And... Um, you know, I remember leaving that show first night. Strangely, there was a rumor going around the audience at the Ritz that, that Didi was outside the club with a knife. 
and gonna <laughs> gonna take out CJ. You ever hear that story? <laughs> no, <laughs> I've heard that from other people, so I know I'm not nuts. I do remember hearing it in the audience that people were saying Didi was outside and pissed off and whatever. <laughs> it wasn't true. No, but, I didn't see. I didn't see that. No, <laughs> yeah, of course not. I didn't. I didn't believe it, but it was going around the the room. You Good know, story. Yeah, he he was heavily into knives, Didi. Yeah, yeah, his double like sevens and all that. Yeah. All, that was a problem on the when we went overseas. He'd buy all these knives and to get them back. He was sneaking them in the drum hardware. Luckily, back in those days, they weren't checking the cargo that closely. closely. So he was yeah. able to like, stick a couple of knives in, you know, the, the hardware, the drum hardware. You know, he didn't. He, yeah. He, so he got his knives back that way. But um, yeah, he wants. Well, to, Italy was a place you get a lot of knives, right? Like back then. Yeah, all over. Yeah. Well, yeah. he found he found them the, all over the place. Yeah. There was one wow. time in the van we we're driving, and then Johnny said something about his old girlfriend or something. Didi like took out a knife and yeah, went like that. John said, "Okay, you want to you going to use it? You going to use it? You going to kill me?" <laughs> and he put it away, but he did pull it out once on John. You know, yeah. In a van, you know. Jeez, I'm sure it was close quarters with everybody ducking. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so CJ joins in '89, and you know. Right away, you could tell the Ramones got a got like a injection of yeah, a um, boost, a boost. boost and and right. you know the shows were the shows were were were, were good, uh, they were always good. Uh, it's not that oh, they yeah. really were bad ever at any point, but you could tell with CJ just there was this this breath of life into them, and uh, what I got a kick out of was watching CJ kind of morph into different things. You know, like he had a crew cut at first, so he had to wear a hat. Then he then he was wearing a bandana. Then he was doing the Sid Vicious black spiky hair. Then he was doing the Didi bowl. Then he grew it longer, like almost like well, Joey. He came in from the Marines. Right, right. With, you know. With a crew cut. With a crew cut. Yeah. So they had yeah. to go, go over the, you know, took him a little while to grow back, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know, Johnny um, had that problem when he got almost yeah. kicked in the head. He had yeah. shaved. That's true. What, that, was a, that was a terrible thing that happened. Yeah. Shows he had to wear a hat and he didn't mm -hmm. like that and stuff like that, and because he really was into his hair there, you know. He always was. Yeah. You know, he always had that haircut. Yeah. You know? Um. When they when they were gonna call it quits, how'd you feel about that? Well, they had over the years. They a number of years. They said oh, we're stopping, we're stopping, and that never, never, never happened. happened. And then I kind of maybe thought they might get back together again. You know, it was, it was, you know, but it looked, you know, the way Johnny moved to LA and Joey was not the greatest in health, too. So it was, uh, it was difficult, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, jo Joey passing away in 2001 was, you know, one of the saddest days in my life. I, I love the yeah, guy. Uh, yeah. You know, we I was all very did. close to him. Yeah. Um, the story and end of the century, the movie. Okay, about Joey and Johnny and their relationship there for so many years. Um, one thing I got out of that movie, and I, I, I'm going to ask you also how accurate you think that movie is. But but what what I got out of that whole thing was that Johnny may have had some regrets in the end. You think he did? Yeah, it's, I mean, you know, initially they were. Good friends. I grew up in Forest Hills, and they yeah. formed the group. And a number of years, they were working well together. You know, right? Uh, yeah, I think he 
did. Uh, he didn't want to show it. He was not that type of guy to see, right. you know. And he said, uh, well, I didn't want to go there because he didn't feel he was comfortable, you know, visiting him in the hospital, all that. Right. Uh, yeah, I think he had a little bit of a regret there, the much, as much as he could do, you know. Yeah, yeah. You get that impression. How, how yeah. do you how do you feel about the the portrayal of the Ramones in that movie? How they you know the they, the story went? Do you think it was accurate? The or was there anything? Yeah, the movie. It was good. Yeah. Yeah, it was okay. I, I enjoyed I, it. The, I, I, I say that because I, I for younger fans, okay, that are you know half my age or whatever, they they look at that movie as you know. A classic and they want to you know they, they they live by what was discussed in that film and i grew up earlier different time so we didn't know about all these things in the ramones we didn't know about their politics until that movie wow. came out nobody yeah. nobody oh, yeah. nobody cared it was never discussed the most you ever heard was maybe like you know johnny didn't like bonzo goes to bitburg because it was like a shot at reagan yeah, they, okay. they, they changed the song. The changed title. the title. Yeah. Brain My brain is, right. But he did the song, though. He always played it live because it's a great song. Yeah, yeah. Good you song. Know, you know, how could you not do it? But and, he didn't like the title. So I mean, they, they work things out like that. Yeah. Uh, and, and the movie, well, I... Yeah. You know, people that see bands, they really don't see politics politics behind the band. This movie brought everything out. And, and, and you know, Johnny actually said it was, you know, a bit painful and uncomfortable seeing all the stuff that, that people say about him in the movie too you know but he realized yeah. that that was true you know yeah i, yeah. I say i've come uncomfortable talking about him there you know mm -hmm. but then Didi comes and backs me up and says that's the way he was you know yeah sounds yeah. good you know yeah um 20 i think it was 2015 2016 you were involved in that ramones exhibition at the queen's oh, museum that was great Terrific. i went to that that was fantastic mm, yeah I bought I one of those jackets with the denim jackets with the 76 and the Ramones on the back. Oh, nice, right, yeah, nice. I bought one of those. That was uh, Mark Miller curated. Originally, uh, Arturo was involved, myself, Arturo, Mark Miller, and the original people from the Queens Museum. Yeah. And um, I had like 170 pieces of my memorabilia in the, in the show there. Yeah. And then That's it went awesome. to L.A., it was a smaller room, but they were supposed to tour, like kind of like the, there was a Bowie exhibit that toured around. Mm -hmm. They were supposed to tour oh, yeah. the world, but uh, unfortunately, uh, internal hassles with the uh, Ramones Corporation didn't happen, and they were having problems with each other. And uh, they pulled right. the, whole, the I pulled all my stuff out and did like a bunch of auctions with my with my stuff. It's kind of yeah. like my pen, pension from the Ramones. The, <laughs> luckily, I saved a lot of that stuff. Who knew? Like a tour pass or. A, yeah, Itinerary would be valuable, you know. I mean, there was stuff like Joey's passport. And, yeah, that that went you know. for like twenty thousand dollars, I think. I think a set of Joey's glasses. Yeah, well, Mickey uh, auctioned off a lot of Joey's personal stuff. He did. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, and then there's that that great Ramones museum that's in Berlin. I've never oh, been there, but I heard that's I heard funny because the only place in the world is a Ramones Museum is in Berlin. It should be here in New York, but yeah, expensive. Yeah, Flo, Flo, Florian was a great um, collector, and he had a huge collection, and he decided to open a museum there. Have you been there? Oh yeah, several times. Mm -hmm. uh, great. I'm not sure if it's still open now with the pandemic, but 
yeah, I did an event there with myself, Arturo, and Danny Field when my book came out. Was published in German at the time. Yeah, a number of years ago, and we yeah, I was there a couple of times. Great place. Mm -hmm. Hey ho, flow. <laughs> Maybe you'll see this. Hopefully, now it's hard to believe. Um, it's it's 2022. It's hard to believe that in two years it's going to be 50 years that the Ramones wow. were founded. Uh, yeah. You know, and uh, is there is there any plans? Uh, any anything coming up for that that you could talk you could talk about, or maybe? No, I haven't know? had anything. I'm sure they'll do something. Linda's always and Mickey, they always have something cooking. So yeah, uh, I haven't heard anything yet. It's a little early, but uh, right, it's two years something. from now, there'll be there'll be something. Sure, and then two years after that, in in twenty twenty six, is the fiftieth anniversary of you know punk rock. They they would call it. Okay, and uh, I'm curious to see how they're going to handle that. You know, what what what's going to be out there? Some of these bands are reforming, or they they never went away. The Damned is still around. We just saw them a couple of years ago. Yeah, me and yeah. Rob. That were good. Yeah, they were damn good. Well, there's something coming up in end of March and April in Westport, Connecticut, the Museum of Contemporary Art. They're doing a whole punk show up there. Really? Wow. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Westport. There's a, a great movie out now. Um, it's in the theaters on a small release, and I think you could see it on Apple TV about um, polystyrene from X-Ray Specs. It's called I Am a Cliché. Hmm. And uh, I have to sit down and watch it on Apple. I haven't had a chance to do it yet. It just came out like three days ago. It's supposedly awesome. You know. Nice. Um, all right. So, Monty, I want to thank you. And 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 the last question I'm going to ask you now, you told us you're – your favorite song was all the way. What's your favorite Ramones album out of all of them? I can't. I like a lot of their albums. I can't really pick one out. You can't pick no. one? No. Okay. Wow. Are you are you are you when you when you go to your when you go to listen to them, you, you go to the first four mostly or or you just could be anything? Listen, after doing two thousand two hundred shows with them, I don't really listen to the Ramones much lately. <laughs> <laughs> I had a lot of Ramones over the years. Uh, I, I think you've had your, you've had your belly full, right? <laughs> yeah. That's funny. That's I mean, funny. I hear you know it's nice to hear them on the radio now and uh, yeah, all over the you know the, the problem was, I think what happened was um, all the young kids were fans and then they grew up and they were able to all of a sudden they put them in movie soundtracks and TV commercials now, and, which is nice, you know. But yeah. they couldn't get any of that back then, you know. I remember the the first commercial I think they got in was that Budweiser commercial. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it was amazing. And they know? used Blitzkrieg Bob for that, and that was a big deal. And that was towards the end, you know. That was that was a big deal. Yeah, and also you know all these groups that formed, give the Ramones credit for forming. You know, U two mm -hmm. and uh, Metallica, Soundgarden, sure, uh, sure, Pearl Jam. They're all big fans of the Ramones. That's what the, I think. That's the legacy of the Ramones. They were kind of like the Johnny Appleseed. You know, Johnny Appleseed would go out and plant apples. They, when they first, early seven, you know, mid seventies, when they started touring, right? All these small places, clubs, and towns and cities, the kids would see them and say, "Wow, you know, that's not that. You know, if they can do that, you know, they, you don't have to be Eric Clapton or yeah. play drum solos." And that, that inspired a lot of bands, and they all these bands give them credit. And their whole look at the time was unique. Uh, they didn't look like rock stars they look more like Gang. outsiders <laughs> aliens you know in a way. 
<laughs> I remember that they were ganging it initially. You know, yeah. I, I had yeah. some problems, you know, checking to a hotel in Cleveland or, or Columbus. I, I look at the little guy made a little um, note. Be careful, this band could be dangerous, you know. <laughs> that's you know when the sex pistols were going around with the craziness that's probably what happened with the u.s uh radio you know yeah yeah well there was a negative there was a negative attention given to punk rock and yeah. the ramones unfortunately got sucked into it even though yeah. they they weren't part of any of that they weren't throwing yeah. up on people and sticking safety pins in their face they had no, nothing to no, do with that no, no, no. you know but a story that i remember hearing years ago uh i think you told it about being in the van, getting out of the van somewhere, I think in the Midwest, and a little old lady came up to the up to you and said something. Tell that story, Monty. <laughs> tell us <laughs> a million, million times. Oh, I'll tell you one. So we're in Texas, rural Texas. Okay. A long drive, driving for like five hours. Had to get gas, pulled into a gas station convenience store. So they get out of the fan and I'm staggering around after like being in the van for five hours. They're staggering and looking at the cookies and then whatever. And then I got the gas and paid for the gas. And so the lady says to me, that's oh, sure nice of you taking care of those retarded boys. <laughs> I, said, I, said, I said, yes, ma'am, that's my job. <laughs> and and <laughs> you look like aliens. At the did, did you did you go tell them right away what happened? Yeah, of course. Of course. What'd they say? They <laughs> like, could laugh. They were laughing. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great story i know you told a million times but it's a great yeah, story that's fantastic yeah. all I right also, Monty, thank I you also, very I also, much i also tell him a joke the yeah. between a tour manager and a toilet bowl oh i tell that to him a lot you know what the, the difference uh, is? go ahead tell it a toilet bowl only has to deal with one asshole at a time there you go <laughs> <laughs> I, I tell them that a couple of times <laughs> i've heard you say it <laughs> yeah. Yeah. i told I tell that to some of the customers where there's busy and they're screaming with the money. I say, just like a totem, I can only serve one answer at a time. <laughs> okay, Monty, again, thank you so much for coming on. Be in touch with you real soon. And uh, hey-ho, let's go. Yeah, gaba gaba hey to all the great Ramones fans out there. Yes, gaba gaba hey. And what do we always say at every, end of every show, Rob? We go get drunk, we get, we get lumped up. up. See you next week. Okay. Take care, people. The only podcast you will hear That will be music to your ear You'll learn about bands you love or may not know it's only here on The Rock Show Let's get lumped up on The Rock Show